Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Chronic Fatigue and Burnout Recovery Podcast. Today I want to answer a question that often comes up through my Instagram channel and social media and that is what is the difference between burnout versus chronic fatigue syndrome, ME, and adrenal fatigue? Are they all just the same thing or are they different things? And before I kind of go into the answer for this question, I'll also just preframe and say that in the previous episode, I talked about this idea of adrenal fatigue versus adrenal intelligence. So if you haven't already listened to that episode, that might be a really nice one to listen to and then come back here and listen to this one because it will sort of set the stage for some of the things I'm going to discuss. But when we consider this question, are burnout, chronic fatigue syndrome, and adrenal fatigue the same thing? The short answer is no. And burnout and adrenal dysfunction or adrenal intelligence, if you listen to the previous podcast, may be part of the picture of chronic fatigue syndrome or ME, but they're not the whole picture and therefore they're not the same thing. Or shall I say, they're not necessarily the whole picture, and therefore they cannot all be considered to be the same thing. And so if that's all you need to know, you can stop listening now, move on to the next podcast. But what I'll do for the rest of this episode is just kind of pick this apart in a little bit more detail so you can really understand the rationale that I'm making for this statement. So a good place to start would be just to look at what is chronic fatigue syndrome. And the National Institute of Health and Care Excellence, also known as NICE, Guidelines for Chronic Fatigue Syndrome, define chronic fatigue syndrome as fatigue or tiredness that started recently and has lasted a long time, usually several months, or keeps coming back. It means that you cannot do the things you used to do and it gets worse after activity or gentle exercise such as a short walk. So for example, there's the experience of post-exertional malaise. So when we look at that statement, yeah, somebody with burnout or adrenal fatigue could experience those things. But you must also have some of these symptoms, problems sleeping such as insomnia, muscle or joint pain, headaches, a sore throat or swollen glands, problems thinking, remembering or concentrating, flu-like symptoms, feeling dizzy or sick, fast or irregular heartbeats, so heart palpitations, and doing exercise or concentrating makes your symptoms worse. So again, if we think of some of these, well, if you had a burnout, maybe you would also experience some of these things. If you had adrenal fatigue, maybe you would also experience some of these things. Although the following are not official symptoms of chronic fatigue syndrome, I also have clients who will experience sensitivity to light, sounds, chemicals, and smells. They may feel foggy or hungover. There may be some neurological symptoms like numbness or tingling. Anxiety and depression often come hand in hand. There's hypervigilance. They may find it difficult to calm down. There may be poor temperature regulations, so they may be too hot or too cold or swing between the two. Um, and they may also feel, even if they are sleeping well, they just feel very unrefreshed after a good night's sleep. 
So again, also just looking at that list of symptoms, just somebody with burnout could also be experiencing some of those. And it's same with, I keep using the word adrenal fatigue, but just to say that adrenal fatigue is not a medically recognized term. And what I'm talking here about will probably be like adrenal exhaustion, low cortisol levels. But I'm probably going to end up saying adrenal fatigue for most of the podcast, but just know this is what I mean. Whether or not you've been diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome, you may or may not know that chronic fatigue syndrome is a clinical diagnosis, which means that there's no specific test for chronic fatigue syndrome. It's not like you take this test and it's positive or negative, and then you either have it or you don't. But rather, it's a diagnosis which is used when there's no other reason to attribute your fatigue symptoms. So for example, there's no other disease or health condition that could explain your symptoms. Ultimately, when someone is experiencing fatigue, they are experiencing a decreased production of the body's energy currency, ATP. And there are many different imbalances which would contribute to decreased production of ATP. And this could be things like chronic stress and nervous system dysregulation, mold toxicity, digestive imbalances, nutrient deficiencies, poor red blood cell health, you know, maybe due to iron deficiency or B12 or folate deficiency, blood sugar imbalances, histamine intolerance, mast cell activation syndrome, hormonal imbalances, um, which does include adrenal output, which could be high or low, and many other things. So even when someone has received a clinical diagnosis of CFS, remember that the doctor is looking for disease, not imbalance. And my role as a functional medicine practitioner is to assess for these imbalances, assess if there is anything going on that could be contributing to decreased ATP production. And usually it's not just one thing. Usually there are multiple imbalances going on in someone's body. I've never met a client with chronic fatigue syndrome who didn't have some sort of digestive disturbance, who didn't perhaps have some toxic overload or a traumatic history or certain nutrient requirements. Usually these cases are complex, um, but they're complex in the scope of imbalance, not necessarily in the scope of disease. So what I would say is that if somebody is experiencing adrenal fatigue or adrenal dysfunction, that could be part of the picture of chronic fatigue syndrome. But usually there are multiple different contributing factors which are impacting ATP production. And we want to really address all of those factors. And then when we do, the overall health of the individual increases. And so in the case of adrenal dysfunction or intelligence, um, this might be how the body is responding to everything else that's going on. In the previous episode, talking about this idea of if adrenal function is low, so 
in air quotes, in a fatigued state. This could be the way the body is naturally applying the brakes because there's so much going on. There's so much stressing the system. Or we could also have a resistance stage. So this would be an increased cortisol output because the body is trying to manage some sort of inflammatory trigger. So now just circling back to the question, is adrenal fatigue and chronic fatigue syndrome the same thing? We kind of just want to think, well, the changes in the adrenal function are happening as a consequence of the other imbalances that are going on in the body. And those collective imbalances are contributing to low or poor ATP energy production. But if we were to just go in and address the adrenal fatigue without addressing the bigger picture, all those other stresses on the system, we definitely couldn't expect full resolution because there are other pieces of the puzzle that need to be addressed. And that might be the nervous system dysregulation, the digestive imbalances, any infections like bacteria, viruses, yeast or parasites, toxic load from heavy metals, mycotoxins or environmental toxins, and um, chronic stress and trauma. So I would view in this case adrenal fatigue or low adrenal output as the consequence of everything else going on in the body, but it's not solely responsible for the chronic fatigue syndrome. And in my previous episode, I also referred to the fact that sometimes I'll see clients with chronic fatigue syndrome who have high adrenal output. Sometimes I'll see clients with chronic fatigue syndrome that have normal adrenal output. And sometimes I'll see clients with chronic fatigue syndrome who have low adrenal output. If they were the same thing, we would expect to see chronic fatigue syndrome and the same profile of adrenal dysfunction, in this case, the fatigue state, conclusively across the board. But it's not what we see in practice, and or at least it's not what I see in practice. And um, we want to consider each person as an individual with their unique set of imbalances and inputs, and then work on that bigger picture. And so then the final piece of the puzzle is where does burnout fit into all of this? And burnout is a syndrome of emotional, physical, and mental exhaustion. And this often happens when the body has been operating in fight or flight. It's been in survival mode for such a long time that there is a loss of vagal tone or essentially the vagal break, which regulates the nervous system becomes weaker or underconditioned. So just like you would build a muscle in a gym. If I go to the gym um, twice a week and I'm training my biceps and I'm doing lots of bicep curls, my biceps are getting exercise, they grow bigger and stronger. But then if I decide I'm not going to go to the gym anymore and I can't be bothered with my bicep curls, my biceps are going to maybe shrink in size, there'll be less muscle tone, and I'll probably be weaker. And the same is true for this vagus nerve. If we are using the vagus nerve, which means we are practicing states of regulation, we we grow our capacity to use it and we grow our capacity to self-regulate. But if we are from the moment we wake up to the moment we close our eyes in the evening, constantly running our survival physiology, 
the vagus nerve or the vagal break doesn't get a look in, which means that it's just like when I stopped going to the gym and I stopped working my biceps, it loses tone, it loses strength, and we lose the capacity to self-regulate. Another analogy which I quite like is the idea of riding a bicycle downhill without any brakes. So if you've ever ridden a bicycle, you probably know that if you go down a steep hill, you might keep a little bit of gentle pressure on your brakes and that stops you from going too fast and essentially becoming out of control, having a speed wobble, maybe a potential crash. And the same is kind of true for the nervous system. Our vagus nerve is that little gentle pressure on the brakes. And the heel is the sympathetic nervous system. So a steep heel would be synonymous with something that is quite big and quite stressful. And if we're going down the hill very fast without the tone from the nervous system, specifically the vagus nerve, then we'll go too fast. It'll feel out of control, i.e. we're outside of our window of tolerance. We may crash, which I would say is synonymous with going perhaps into a freeze. We've just gone so fast. We just crash and we stop and we freeze. And um, essentially, this is the experience we may be having if we haven't, if we've lost the ability to use our brakes and if we've lost the, the vagal tone, which helps to regulate the nervous system. And so where does all of this fit into this idea of chronic fatigue syndrome or adrenal fatigue? When someone has poor vagal tone, this means that even small things that wouldn't normally feel too stressful can feel very stressful. The body uses a huge amount of energy to deal with day-to-day stresses. This can leave the body exhausted as it burns through large amounts of energy just to do the mundane day-to-day things. And when the nervous system feels particularly overwhelmed, it can enter into a freeze state, the equivalent of the crash on the bicycle, which is a parasympathetic state that results in shutdown or exhaustion. And um, there could be reduced cortisol output as the body compensates for the faulty brakes. So remember previously, I would have said that cortisol is an energy liberating hormone. And when we need energy, we may experience an increased cortisol production, which gives the body, which helps to take energy out of it, the storage places in the body to meet the body's needs. But if the body has been going too fast for too long, it's reached this burnout stage, one of the ways the body can apply the brakes is to reduce cortisol output. Now there's less energy being liberated into the system that may act as an overcompensation for the brakes, and then the body slows down. We might expect that when the sympathetic nervous system is more active, there could be an increased cortisol response. So we're liberating energy to respond with that fight or flight survival energy. Um, But that doesn't always mean that a freeze state is associated with a low cortisol response or adrenal fatigue. Because when the body enters a freeze state, the level of stimulation to the nervous system is very overwhelming. The body has moved from fight should I say flight into fight, neither of those have worked, the body then goes into freeze. And this means um, that there can still be a huge amount of energy in the system. 
And the analogy I like here is the idea of the rocket ship. So the par- the sympathetic nervous system is the sort of rocket ship shooting off into space, and it's large amounts of energy are required to launch that rocket ship. And then the parasympathetic nervous system is the freeze state, which is coming down a parachute over the top of the rocket ship. And it's trying to contain the energy of the rocket ship and bring it back down to earth. And so even though maybe there's no movement happening, the energy upwards of the rocket ship is being matched by the energy downwards of the parachute. There's a lot of energy bound up in that system And that might require high levels of cortisol to sustain that level of energy. What we want to consider when we consider then adrenal fatigue and burnout is yes, in some cases we could see low levels of cortisol when somebody is burnt out. We could also see high levels of cortisol when somebody is burnt out. And then we want to consider, well, is burnout part of chronic fatigue syndrome or is it the a different entity and i would beg to argue that it's most likely a different entity because one of the sort of key things that we'll see in chronic fatigue syndrome is post-exertional malaise so someone will do something and they feel very exhausted Having maybe worked with clients that are more burnt out, they can still do physical activity, but they don't necessarily get the malaise. So there's, there is a, I would say like a, there is a breaking happening on the system, but there's less complexity in all the different inputs that we would usually see in chronic fatigue syndrome. And therefore, it may be an element of chronic fatigue syndrome, but some clients may experience chronic fatigue even when they are supporting their vagal tone. So someone who's maybe had a diagnosis of chronic fatigue syndrome, they've learned that they need to do a lot of nervous system work, and then they're integrating a lot of their past trauma, and they're working on their nervous system, but they can still feel very fatigued. That was at least my experience. Um, I remember the very first appointment I had with my somatic experiencing therapist. She made the comment like, wow, your nervous system is actually really, really resilient. What have you been doing to have this resilience in your system? And, you know, I, I didn't really know how to answer that. It just sort of said, well, you know, some yin yoga and this and that and the other. And I had been playing around with some resourcing tools prior to speaking with her. But I still had all the symptoms of chronic fatigue syndrome, yet I had an expert telling me, actually, my nervous system seemed pretty well resourced. So in this kind of case, we may have chronic fatigue syndrome with burnout or chronic fatigue syndrome without burnout but they're not the same thing. And really ultimately what we're looking for, generally speaking, is that we want to have a natural, everybody should have a natural sort of high and low or fluctuation in their levels of activation of the nervous system throughout the day. And when we have less flexibility to sustain sort of a natural high and then the natural settling of the system, this is loss of vagal tone. 
So somebody who is maybe experiencing nervous system dysregulation or a burnout, they may be stuck high, so stuck in the parasympathetic, or stuck low, stuck in the parasympathetic. And they may move quite quickly between one and the other instead of having a more gentle, fluctuating level of activation in the nervous system. And ultimately here to support burnout recovery, we want to recover the tone. So we're not sort of peaking and troughing or going really high and then crashing, but being able to modulate the nervous system response. And this is a lot of what I teach in my nervous system mini course, just how we can begin to modulate that nervous system response. And then I also have a new program coming out. By the time this episode drops, it will probably already be out. Um, but that is my 12-week nervous system program. I haven't actually got a name for it just yet. So I can't share the name with you right now. But if it's there's more work that you'd like to do on your nervous system under my support, that could be an option for you. Um, and I'm sure you can check out my website um, to get a little bit more information on that. So I hope that this episode helps just to clarify the nuance and the differences between burnout, chronic fatigue syndrome, and adrenal fatigue or adrenal dysfunction or adrenal intelligence, if you would like to adopt my model. And ultimately, what I communicated to you today is that you know, chronic fatigue syndrome is an entity in its own, but there may be burnout, which is a component of that. There could be adrenal dysfunction, which is a component of that. But someone could have chronic fatigue syndrome and still have quite a resourceful nervous system and not necessarily be in a burnout. Obviously, recovering from a chronic illness can be very draining and sometimes we can experience a burnout just from our healing journey but that can probably be a transient part of the process and somebody who has chronic fatigue syndrome may have adrenal dysfunctional low adrenal function but they may also have very normal and healthy adrenal function and therefore when we're looking at supporting the systems we want to zoom out and really consider all the different imbalances which are ultimately resulting in poor production of ATP and of course in this podcast there are loads of resources to discuss all the different mechanisms um, by which this can happen and, and that is essentially the work that I do with my clients is to work out what's going on for them in their body what are the imbalances that they have and then how do we support them to find better balance in the areas which are relevant to them and essentially improve energy and help them fully recover so I will wrap up there thank you so much for listening today as always just a reminder to subscribe leave a review and I'll see you in the next episode